And welcome to another episode of Dawncast, where we shine stories, where we shine stories, we shine the light on stories that matter. Hi, I'm Dai Lee. And I'm Kathy Ngo. And today we've got Alim Ali, CEO of Welcoming Australia, joining us from uh, across the border of Queensland, which is not very welcoming at the moment, I believe. <laughs> We're not allowed to be there. <laughs> you closed the border. Well, I haven't personally I closed the border, but <laughs> yeah. um, our, our government has. Yes, we're trying to, uh, I guess, stem the stem the flow of COVID nineteen. Um, I'm allowed to leave. I just can't really come back. So uh, okay. <laughs> so welcome to Dawncast, and thanks for spe- you know uh, giving us your time to share with us what um, what is Welcoming Australia about. That's a great question. Um, we're a national not-for-profit organisation and movement who ultimately, I guess, uh, focused on advancing a more welcoming and inclusive Australia um, and an Australia where people of all backgrounds, uh, regardless of what that background is, um, have equal opportunity to belong and to contribute and to thrive. And so we do that through a range of different means, um, but that's really why we exist as an organisation. How do you find the whole Black Lives Matter movement? Because this whole idea of being welcoming is it's very pertinent in this time. So what's your views on that? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's really important. I, I think, you know, the, the argument, I guess, against that movement is that all lives matter. And yes, of course, all lives matter. But really we would suggest and we would argue that if that was the actual case in practice, then injustice wouldn't exist in our society. And we live in uh, an amazing country that um, has in many ways built uh, its success on being welcoming and inclusive, but we also have a lot of work to do as well. And and I think it's important that we can have those conversations. And so part uh, of our focus, I guess, as an organisation. Uh, we're not an Indigenous organisation, but we're certainly an ally in that work and in that movement. And so um, we certainly also support the statement that Aboriginal lives matter, uh, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders. And a lot of our work is also focused on bringing uh, First Nations and First Peoples together with new and emerging communities to have cross-cultural engagement and conversation. Uh, so you've spent 20 years seeding uh, and mentoring the development of leading initiatives in social enterprises that advance welcoming and inclusive communities. How did that all come about? What brought you into that space? I'm not really sure. Um, <laughs> other than Good brain, I, kinda, right? I grew up in a I grew up in a household. Um, that was multi-faith, interfaith, multicultural, intercultural. So I would uh, go to the mosque on Friday, often with my dad, and I would go to Sunday school or be sent to Sunday school at the local Baptist church by my mum. And so my first name and my last name is Arabic, Aleem Ali, but uh, my middle name is actually Sean, uh, which, (laughs) which speaks to my heritage. So... Hello, um, Sean. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So I think part of it is just in my makeup, in growing up in a household uh, where my dad's Muslim and his father was an imam or a Muslim priest and my mum is Christian. And so that seemed relatively normal as a kid growing up until I went to school and realised very quickly that I was probably quite different from the other kids. Um, but 
being inclusive and welcoming has been very much part of my life from, you know, from since I was born, really. So you were born in uh, Brisbane, Queensland? Yes, I was born in uh, a little suburban seaside town just north of Brisbane called Redcliffe. Um, yes, I and think I know. Yeah. Spent, spent a lot of my youth there. Um, spent a bit of time uh, in Melbourne and in Sydney, but a lot of my time in, in southeast Queensland. So, so how much of do you think uh, your parents, the upbringing, uh, you know, with that multi-faith uh, in your family shape you in then, you know, obviously creating this initiative called Welcoming Australia? How much of that played a, an influence in that decision? Yeah, I don't think it was um, directly involved, but it, it certainly has shaped me as a person. Um, you know, I just, it's how I grew up. We, we grew up. Um, very much uh, amidst multicultural communities with really diverse faiths and and views and a willingness to be able to um, bring what appeared to be competing views together and I guess very much challenged a lot of the stereotypes that people have of, of different cultures and different faiths. So um, for me, that's, that's very much part of who I am and what I do and so whether that's... Um, working in and with Indigenous communities or, or working with uh, recently arrived migrants and new communities or working with what we call uh, receiving communities, established Australian communities, um, you know, inclusion and welcoming is kind of, you know, just part of who I am. What do you find the most rewarding as part of your job? Because welcoming people is such a beautiful thing, but can you tell us maybe a moment in time when you were like, oh my God, like this is, this is why I do what I do? Oh gosh, there's so many. Um, yeah, and I'm sure. Probably, <laughs> I'm probably privileged to see them almost <laughs> daily. But uh, I think when uh, people who don't, uh, and this is what is so fabulous about about your platform, but when people who don't often have an opportunity to have a voice get that opportunity, and they're able to share their story and where they're coming from and what they've been able to do and contribute and other people hear those stories it is always very rewarding. Um, and I think ultimately seeing people find their place and their role in a new community. Um, as you would know, uh, migrants, whatever their background, uh, whether they're here for family or study or uh, humanitarian reasons, um, it's really challenging. It's, it's challenging to, to start a new life and to build a new life. And so when they find that sense of belonging and value and find their place it is really important. And when they're able to lead that work. So, um, you know, there's this beautiful initiative uh, south of Brisbane on the Gold Coast, which is a uh, chai tent that's been set up by um, uh, a bunch of women who, who are also Muslim. Uh, and basically they just set up their tent and their tea and anyone can come and sit down with them and ask them a question, uh, any question. And they kind of create this safe space where people who may not um, have ever met uh, a, a woman from a Muslim background or met someone who, who wears a, a hijab or looks different or, you know, they have a perception of, of living quite a different life. They're able to just sit down with them, have, have a cup of tea and just go, so tell me about this. Is this true? I've heard this on Facebook. Is that really the case? Um, and it's just such a beautiful example of um, new and emerging communities being able to kind of lead 
their own sense of value and belonging uh, in a community and to be able to take uh, that community that they're now living in, I guess, on that journey with them. So is that project part of Welcoming Australia or is it something that um, you've heard just on Facebook or...? It's part of um, a partner organisation. We, we partner wherever possible. We're quite a small organisation um, who, who work on the Gold Coast and do some really interesting work in the community. Why Welcoming Australia? What made you create that? Um, I, I can't take the credit for that. Um, we, we used to be called Welcome to Australia, so there's, I guess there's a little bit of a story there, but Welcome to Australia as an organisation um, first started back in uh, 2011, um, around the time that, I guess, the debate, the political debate, the media debate around refugees and people seeking asylum was was particularly uh, toxic and, and, I guess, quite divisive. And our founder, uh, Brad Chilcott, uh, literally woke up one morning and saw uh, on uh, the news um, uh, an image of uh, a young woman holding a sign uh, at a protest and this protest was outside a detention centre um, that was reopening in South Australia to house people who'd arrived uh, seeking asylum and the people were protesting uh, not because they were concerned about the treatment that that might happen for those people or um, that they wanted to make sure that they would be kept safe and that they would be welcomed into the community they were protesting because they were concerned about their house prices. And so um, he, he saw this image of this young girl holding this sign that said, sink the boats, and, and kind of had this moment of going, regardless of your political opinion, regardless of, of what you think on any issue, there's something potentially quite broken in our society, in our communities, and in the conversations that we're having where we think it's okay to send out a child to a protest holding a sign that essentially advocates for the death um, and, and the murder of people who were doing nothing more than fleeing for their own lives. Um, and so he just wanted to start a conversation and he was very aware that the majority of Australians are, are kind of in some ways sitting in the middle, uh, listening to uh, quite differing views and sometimes quite angry voices and don't necessarily know where to go or where to find uh, accurate information or um, I guess don't even know what opinion to have and which voices to listen to. And so he wanted to start a conversation with um, what the organisation called Everyday Australians and say, you know, who do we want to be? Who are we as uh, a society? Uh, how uh, do we want to behave? And then started identifying, I guess, un what we would call unlikely partners uh, to be ambassadors for the movement of a, uh, an organisation that welcomed people to our shores. And so um, one of our ambassadors is, uh, is the Wiggles because mm. we mm. wanted unlikely partners. And when uh, Anthony, uh, the Blue Wiggles, says, hey, Australia, it's really important that um, kids who are fleeing for safety uh, come to our shores and find a safe place to, to have school and to grow up and, and to belong, uh, suddenly people sit up and take notice because they're like, why, why, is, why is the blue wiggle talking about uh, refugees? Why is that important? Why do I need to know about this? And so that kind of sparked the birth of the organisation. 
What a beautiful story. And like, well, my family came to Australia as refugees on a boat and same with you as well, Di. Just hearing that, like sink the boats, it's just like, just terrifying. Just So that's beautiful work that Brad's done and, and your team as well. Yeah. Okay. Um, do you think, how do you think that message or your idea has been received by, first of all, obviously you were set up in Queensland in Brisbane, a house that received in that community. And how far has that message been sent out to or where it has been sent out to? I think it's really well received. I, I think, you know, it, it's easy to, to see the news or to, you know, look at certain things on social media or and, and feel like, you know, we're quite divided as a community and as a nation, you know, our experience is that the majority of Australians are very welcoming, um, that they pride themselves on being good neighbours. Um, and, and often people just need permission to do the right thing or understand what it, how it is that they can make a practical difference and, um, I guess, in some ways be facilitated and be given permission to do that. So one of the, the things that the organisation uh, first did uh, a number of years ago was um, encourage and start up Welcome Dinners, um, which Welcome Dinner Project as an organisation has now um, very successfully picked up and is, is doing amazing work with. But really it was just saying, hey, Australia, um, why don't you just host a meal with a new family in your community or in your street or, or in your workplace, um, set up a very simple I guess, uh, framework and guidelines for people to be able to do that, a, a website for people to be able to engage with and, and learn more about how to do that. And, and it just took off what seems to be quite a simple idea. Because I was going to say, yeah, I mean, it's such a simple idea of welcoming somebody uh, in terms of over for dinner. I, I remember you know, when we first came to Australia, the some of the families that helped us and they were white Australian families I mean back then in the 70s it wasn't as diverse as it is today so back then uh, our family was you know the first uh, refugees from Vietnam to have arrived in Australia and in the community down the south coast mm -hmm. we were invited over to um, to eat Australian meal uh, and what was it um, well it was uh, what did we have uh, it's um um, I think pork, pork and gravy or something like that, with peas, carrots and potatoes, <laughs> <laughs> meat and free veg. Yeah, so it's like, you know, like we don't eat that kind of stuff. But anyway, we were very grateful. <laughs> but it was just that um, that welcoming approach, welcoming, uh, emb embracing us. And to now, we we need to have an initiative to get people to think like that again. It's, it's quite. Interesting. It's beautiful, but the, the co people connect through meals. They do. Yeah. yeah. But I'm just saying, like, absolutely. Yeah, but I'm just saying we we need to have that initiative to remind people that that's what they need to do. You know what I mean? Like, it's not. It's so simple. Yeah, but it's no no longer automatic. Like, it's not something that's in, innate. Like something that you would do normally. Because everyone gets Uber Eats. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> so you know, but anyway. Yeah, and I think. I mean, over, over the years, various things have been done. I mean, families have been matched together by, by government programs. Um, but sometimes it is that case of saying, hey, here's something really simple and practical that you can do. Uh, we're giving you permission to do it. Um, just go and do it and, and tell us about 
you know, the great stories and, and the great things that happen as a consequence of that. Um, and so, you know, that, that project um, and that program was, was wildly successful and then that sort of prompted a few other, you know, ideas and initiatives, including Welcoming Cities, um, where we work primarily with local councils and local governments across Australia to help them have a more planned approach uh, to migration and settlement and to ensure that their communities are being as welcoming and inclusive as possible. Um, and that's really taken off as well. We've got um, nearly 50 local councils across Australia who are part of that, who um, in terms of their populations represent uh, nearly or just over 30% of the Australian population. So I, I think there is um, a really something in us that says, you know, we do want to be welcoming, we do want to be better, we do want to be good neighbours, um, and sometimes we just have to take people on that journey. We are a welcoming country, aren't we, uh, Alim? Have you found that in this work, that, that the majority of people are welcoming, a majority of Australians are welcoming? Yeah, definitely. I, I, think, I think we are. I think... Um, you know, and that's where I guess the, the catchphrase that often gets used that, you know, we're a multicultural success story or that Australia is, you know, one of the most successful um, multicultural nations in the world. Uh, um, I, I think we still need to do some work in, in addressing injustices in our past and that are continuing, particularly with Aboriginal and, and Torres Strait Islander communities. Um, and we do need to address some of those issues so we can move forward effectively as a nation. Um, but, yeah, I, I think on the whole we, we do uh, want to be good neighbours. And, um, you know, a, a phrase that I heard a lot when I was growing up as a kid, and I, I don't know that we hear it as much now, is this kind of sense of a fair go, you know, mm. a, a fair go for, for all people, not just some people. And um, I think that resonates with Australians still too. Yeah, the fair, the fair go spirit that uh, Australia is so renowned for. Um, that yeah, uh, we don't hear that much anymore, do we? Mm -hmm. um, what interesting! Just want to touch upon your childhood. Um, what was it like growing up? Um, I suppose I could say it biracial, uh, you know, or biculture uh, in in. In Queensland, in particular, <laughs> I was a Queenslander. You know, uh, New South Wales, Melbourne, Victoria. You, you kind of we're more of a very multicultural society and communities. But Queensland and being, you know, your mother in particular as well. How did she? How did she experience uh, having a family, a multi-faith and multicultural family, um, in in Brisbane, in Queens, in Queensland? Yeah, I think on the whole it was great. Um, you yeah, know, I, I think Brisbane and Queensland's growing up. We're, we're getting there slowly. Very slow. Um, <laughs> Very slow. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, and, you know, I, obviously our, our families um, did you, did were, were great and very close. I think it's probably an indication more of, of how far we have come as a society where, you know, as a kid I certainly had to explain my name and spell my name to everyone um, and, you know, Aleem wasn't a name that anyone could really, broadly speaking, get their head, head around. Um, definitely not and, Aussie. <laughs> and I was constantly called Liam or Alan or, or something <laughs> else and even when you spell it out, people were like, it just, it just didn't, I think, you know, compute in their brain. Um, but on the whole, I, I've found people, you know, 
interested in in my story and where I've come from. And um, I were think... you given a hard time at all? Were you given a hard time growing? I mean, like you would hear that, uh, you know, stories uh, when I talk to people who are either uh, got a, a different cultural background, growing up in a quite white Australian society. They do have they have experienced the kind of um, marginalisation, if you can pull it that way, uh, and feel very much they don't belong to that community. Mm. Uh, I, I wonder whether or not that happened to you, and if not, why not? Yeah, it did. Uh, I mean, you know, I lost count of the times that I got told to go back to where I came from, or, or various versions of, of that. So, some you know, kinder, some less kind. Um, But I think the benefit of growing up in such a loving, uh, relatively cohesive family meant that I was pretty resilient. And so my response to that, depending on how aggressive I felt they were being, was anything from what you mean go back to Redcliffe, (laughs) Um, because that's where I was born, Yeah. uh, through to just ignoring them or, you know, trying to have a more... I guess, deliberate conversation about why they thought that was okay. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. It, it was something that kind of just pervaded my my childhood. I think the fact that it has decreased significantly is a testament to, you know, even though we've got some way to go, how far we have come a, as a society and a community and a nation. Um, but, yeah, absolutely, it was, it was certainly challenging. Um, and, uh, but I think, again, it was just probably testament to my childhood and the way that my parents raised me. But my dad, I remember told, used to tell us this beautiful story about his dad, um, who was, as I said, a, a Muslim priest. So my dad grew up in Fiji, um, you know, also quite uh, a multicultural society, but in some ways quite divided between the Indian population and the Fijian population. Um, when he was a kid, he was invited around to his friend's house and um, they literally killed the fattened pig um, and uh, had, had cooked it and, and had served that up to him and he's a Muslim. And so, you know, to, to eat pork is not something that he was raised to do. So he raced all the way home and his dad said to him, well, what are you doing here? And he said, oh, you know, they served pork. I, I can't eat pork. And he said, you go back there and you eat it. Those people are poor, but, you know, they've, they've served wow. up to you what is for them their most prized and, you know, important thing. And so they obviously value you as a guest. And he said, you know what, God's all right. God, God will <laughs> forgive you for eating pig. But what is more important is that you uh, accept their gift and that you build a relationship with these people. And wow. So, I always remember that story because I just think that's your grandfather's we, grandfather's yeah. wisdom. Wow! Yeah, that's powerful. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, do you know how powerful that what that 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 story was, Alan? Because can you imagine, uh, you know, some of the uh, uh, the Muslim community that will be tuning in, listening to this, saying that what you would eat pork, um, it, that 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 it's, to me that's that's an amazing and very inclusive story. Oh, yeah. um, I think sometimes, like, not just 
like I'm not saying Muslims, but like overall as a society, we're just so fixated on following the rules and the books, like everything black and white. But we forget to think about the the human, human. side of things yeah. and the context around it. And I I found that story really beautiful because it's about yeah that that's their greatest gift for you. So then, the gift that you can give back is to accept it. Um, yeah. I remember, I know I'm sidetracking a bit here about food. I love food, as you can see. <laughs> we love food here. And I was in India, this was ages ago, and uh, on a project, uh, on a um, scholarship. And I went to, into the slums uh, area. And I was told before I got there that you must not eat the food in the slum area because otherwise you'll get so sick, right? So you can't eat the food. So I went to this, the slum. I don't know if you ever, anybody has I ever been, been to, to the slum in, in India. It's like they were living among piles and piles and piles of rubbish. This is probably Western rubbish that's got dumped into India. Like it's just like homes were underneath all of this. And you can smell the rubbish as you walked in. But I went, I had to visit this little school. So I walked into this little school and all these little kids walked out. And, um, and they were learning like concrete floor and like they looked so poor and just like it's a rubbish dump, right? Yeah. So they, it was, they, I stayed there and it's lunchtime, so they're about to serve food. And I thought, oh, my God, I can't eat this food. <laughs> I can't eat this food. And so they were giving the plate. And this little girl came up and gave me a plate of um, their dal. And I thought, uh, and I thought, I have to eat it because, really, I, I'm not above these beautiful, gorgeous kids. So I sat there and I ate with them, right? Mm. And, of course, I had the luck. I, I was so sick, um, uh, I think a few days later, I, I was sick like anything. But anyway, I, I at least I shared a meal with them and I felt like I was one of them because I'm not above them. And that, you know, that story from your grandfather is about, it's beyond the religion, your religious beliefs and that cultural beliefs. It's about in, interaction and, 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 and connecting with another human being. Um, so, yeah, anyway... I told you I got sidetracked. It's such a beautiful story. I got to tell <laughs> Yeah, well, it's, it's very similar. And I haven't actually heard of that story before, so I think that was really lovely. Yeah, so it's very, very... Anyway, so how, so how do you think... Where do you think welcoming Australia is going to be beyond 2020? Now that all our borders are closed. <laughs> <laughs> What's next for you? What's next? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we want to continue to grow the Welcoming Cities Network. We, we want more and more councils uh, to join and, and be part of that work um, and to support them in that work. So a lot of that work is, is helping them to, to fast-track that process. So councils in Australia are either rapidly growing um, you know, as you'd know, particularly regions such as Western Sydney and those greater Sydney area, um, you know, suburban Melbourne, um, you know, the levels of growth and urbanisation that those councils are going through and trying to ensure that they um, maintain their social cohesion and continue to advance that is really important. But on the flip side, nearly 45% of communities in Australia um, are grappling with uh, economic and population decline, uh, you know, regional and rural councils. Uh, and with the closing of our borders, that, that issue will, won't diminish in any way. And they're trying to, you know, attract people to their communities, um, even within the context of COVID-19, um, so that their economies can continue to grow and that their schools can stay open uh, and that, you know, they can continue to, to thrive as well. So th there's a real 
I guess, a challenge in our country where there's, there's two very different stories that are happening. And, and we're, so we're trying to work within both of those contexts. Uh, and then we're, we're also looking at other areas. Um, sport, obviously, has had to shut down in the last period of time, but it's a great way uh, for, for communities and families to build connection and to be uh, part of community life. And so we've been working with sporting codes and clubs uh, to help them uh, build their frameworks around welcoming and inclusion and ensure that uh, the clubs in their communities um, are increasingly more representative of uh, the people in that community and that um, that they exist to to support and to serve. Um, so there's 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 plenty of work to do and we're really excited to be able to do that with um, some amazing organisations and, and wonderful people. So last question. So what is it that Welcoming Australia do? Like what's your role when you're talking about, you know, getting on board councils and all of those organisations? So what is it that you offer um, and provide? Yeah, so we offer um, a few different things. Knowledge sharing. So, um, you know, different organisations and councils and communities are, are at different stages in the journey. Um some, particularly in regional and rural areas, haven't had a lot of connection with diverse communities. Um, they don't. They certainly are keen and want to grow in that work, but they don't necessarily, you know, understand how to work with uh, uh, communities from the African continent or from, uh, you know, Middle Eastern communities or, or different communities like that. So we often play a role around facilitation and brokerage and helping um, share knowledge, uh, building partnerships, bringing people together. Um, sometimes, you know, as we've talked about, the, the seemingly obvious and simple things um, don't often, I guess, reach out into the community and tr trying to share really simple, practical ways that communities can be more welcoming and inclusive. Um, we have a benchmarking system around uh, standards and accreditation for councils and organisations to, to look at everything that they do through that lens of cultural diversity and inclusion and help them to make sure that they're actually uh, advancing their work in that space and that they're able to measure that work and to report on the success of that work. Um, and then part of it um, is really... Along the lines of the amazing work that that you're doing uh, through Dawncast, which is um, celebrating success and and telling stories that don't often, I guess, permeate out into the broader media. So, you know, how can we share the amazing work that goes on uh, in communities on the ground every single day that um, a lot of people just don't get to hear about? Mm. Well, may, maybe we have to get more of those stories onto our Dawncast, Dan Alim. Maybe there's some partnership there. Absolutely. <laughs> we can then generate those stories for you. <laughs> Certainly, yeah. Yes. So what, what, where, what do you see? What, what do you want to see? What's your uh, you know, end game or what's your end goal? What's I, I think our end goal is that you know, this, this phrase or this statement, you know, Australia is a multicultural success story or, or, you know, the most successful multicultural nation in the world isn't just a phrase, that, it, that it's reality and that we're continuing to grow in that and that we're continuing to actually live that and be that. And so however we can contribute to that in any way possible, that's, that's really what we're trying to do. So if someone wants to get involved with Welcoming Australia, how can they get in touch? Uh, we've got a website, welcoming.org.au. They can uh, find us there and um, we're pretty 
good at getting back to people as quickly as possible. So they're, they're welcome to contact us through that site or our Facebook page, um, which are, if they just search Welcoming Australia, they'll, they'll find us. Um, we've just come out of the uh, Refugee Week, which is a welcoming year. Do you have any, uh, any last advice for people uh, in terms of, you know, in, in, in that messaging around welcoming, uh, welcoming year and what should people do? I think it's that, that simple thing of how can I be a good neighbour and a good member of my community and, you know, obviously we're in the midst of a pandemic, but um, just just lift your eyes a bit and look around and, and see who is around, you know. Are there new people in your street? How can you make them feel more welcome? Uh, you know, are there people that you're walking past in the shopping centre or, uh, you know, in your workplace? How How in any simple way possible, whether that's a smile or a hello or a nod um, or even more practical uh, offers of, of support, uh, how can you make people feel um, more welcome and included in, in whatever it is that you're doing? Mm, thank advice. you. As you were saying that, I was in my head, there's my, the ad, do you remember, I don't know if you remember the ad, um, Alim, just say good day. Good day, good day. <laughs> no, I don't remember that one. You don't? Oh. <laughs> I have to YouTube that. Was that fairly recent? That was a long time ago. Okay. Good day, good day, <laughs> good day. So say good day. Say good day. <laughs> so say good day. <laughs> well, on that note, thank you so much for your time, Thank Ali. you. Thank you. And, uh, you know, if uh, anybody out there who would like to hear more stories like this, please subscribe to our channel. Just click on that bell below to get notified. I would like to hear your story as well. Uh, those stories I would like to shine the light on. Um, so um, thank you for watching Dawncast. I'm Dai Lee. And I'm Kathy Ngo. See you next time. See you. Bye. Bye.